Hi, this is Sheila Cagle with the Communicate Influence podcast. Today's interview is with storyteller and story consultant Colleen Stewart. Colleen is author of the recently published book, The Story Compass. The Story Compass maps out how and why you need to carefully craft your organization's stories, as well as the story of your own personal journey. In our conversation, Colleen explores why storytelling matters so much to us humans, how stories create connections built on trust and empathy, and how to integrate storytelling into the very fabric of your organization. Links on how to find Colleen, including her consultancy, Perfect Pitch, are in the show notes. Hi, Colleen. Welcome to the Communicate Influence podcast. Hi, Sheila. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. It's my pleasure. We finally get to connect. We do. Yeah, because we've tried a few times and and I was busy. (laughs) Apologies for that. But here we are today on this gorgeous sunny day in May. And we're going to talk about something that's quite exciting, your new book, and also your business as well, and storytelling advice for marketers and people in PR. So let's start off by, before we jump into your book, The Story Compass, let's start off with you telling people about yourself and your business, The Perfect Pitch Consulting. Yeah, so I, 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 where does the story begin? It sort of begins with me coming back to work after avoiding work for as long as I could by traveling around the world uh, after university. And the job that I uh, got when I finally decided to go back into the workforce, I was a sales rep with a publishing company. And I was delivering a business presentation to a small group of instructors. I sold higher education textbooks. And I was pitching my English uh, textbook program to a group of instructors at SATE in Calgary, post-secondary institution out there. And a manager had actually flown in from Toronto to help me out with this presentation because it was a big deal in my territory for that year. And about 15 minutes into the presentation, I heard this horrible sound coming from the back of the room. And when I turned away from my slide deck, I realized a gentleman at the back had actually fallen asleep. His head was hanging back, his mouth was hanging open, and he was snoring. You tell this story in the book, don't you? I do. I do. And, you know, it was just this moment where it's it's funny to tell it now, 17 years later. It is funny, yeah. But in the moment, it was mortifying because I also had this manager with me. I was new in the company. I fancied myself to be quite the communicator because I'd come out of journalism school and I I thought I was better than this. And here I was putting this guy to sleep. And so needless to say, I did not get the business that day. We lost that deal and I went home and, and decided, okay, that is never happening to me again. But it was interesting. A few months later, I went to a sales conference, 300, 400 of us gathered in Florida every year. And uh, there was a lunchtime address from our CEO, and we all had to be there. And about 15 minutes into his presentation, I looked around the room and people were struggling to stay awake. You could see the, the head bobs happening. And I realized, Oh, okay, this isn't a Colleen problem. This is a business communication problem. And the more, you know, when you buy a red car, all of a sudden you see red cars. And mm. so as soon as I started to notice that there might be something broken with the way we're communicating at work, I saw it everywhere. Newsletters, um, you know, quick conference meetings, marketing pitches, uh, direction to the sales reps from our managers. A lot of it was just you know, um, just full of jargon and not very clear. So when I finally decided to go into consulting, that was my goal was to enhance, improve uh, business communication in any business. And that's what Perfect Pitch does. We use the power of story and story structure to reimagine how communications can happen at work. That That's a... A fascinating story. I was. Uh, I. I feel like I don't have to ask the next question, which is, 
tell us about the power of story. I was so engrossed in your story. I was waiting for, you know, the story arc to continue. So, right. yeah, moving moving on, tell us, um, I mean, storytelling and story, it, it's fascinating. It, it's so old. It's like our brains are wired to listen to stories, to believe they make an emotional impact. They engage us. Um, tell us more about the power of story and, and why it works, and then a little bit about how you use it before we, we move into your book. Yeah, so I, I always like to say, if you think of human communication as a 24-hour clock, we've been writing things down for about 10 minutes. And before that, we had to remember the information that was going to help us to survive and to find and grow our food and to keep our children alive and to, you know, avoid the saber-toothed tiger attack that might happen every time we tried to leave the cave. And so how did we do that? Well, we came up with a structure that was easy to remember that would cause us to pay attention um, and the information changed, right? Like our environment was constantly changing. So we might get information on how to grow food one year and then everything changes, you know, migration patterns or whatever. And we're, we're having to remember new information. So the structure that um, Homo sapiens landed on was story structure. And in fact, uh, if you've read the book Sapiens, um, he has an entire chapter. Dr. Harari writes about story for an entire chapter. And he makes the case that it was the Homo sapiens ability to tell stories and have this shared imagination that made them so successful in a chaotic world. So the power of story is really in its ability to captivate us, cause us to pay attention, to be memorable so that we don't forget the information and to also communicate meaning so that we understand that this information right away is relevant to us. That's the power of it. So we kind of know that instinctively as human beings. I mean, it's really hard to erase, you know, how many million years of, <laughs> of human existence. Um, but at work, uh, we don't tend to use it as much. I think because even though we instinctively know this, we don't talk about it uh, maybe we learn about it in grade school, but if we then, you know, go through a science track uh, through university, we don't really talk about storytelling anymore, uh, which I think is unfortunate. Uh, in the end, it's great because I can have a business, but when we go to work, we don't understand the power of story on a conscious level. We don't talk about it that way. And so we don't always uh, go to it automatically. And, you know, the first story that I told you about putting the gentleman to sleep, certainly I wasn't at the front of the room telling a story. I was just communicating information mm -hmm. and literally in bullet points, you know, here are the mm -hmm. features of my book. Boom, 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 boom. And, and I mean, that doesn't do any of the things that we talked about. It's not captivating. It's not easily remembered and it doesn't immediately communicate meaning. Mm -hmm. So how we can use the power of story is to first of all talk about it pull it out open it up and look at it for what it is and really understand how stories work and then we can do it with more intention in business hmm that's so true isn't it because you know once you get a little bit older and you're moving through school the focus from storytelling shifts you mm -hmm. get into kind of your high school or university science or even your arts classes and the note taking we use is very much point form i mean if you wrote detailed notes someone would think you know that is crazy you know you can't remember all that you just have to remember the salient points so we move away from it and we think oh storytelling that's something that i have to leave behind in my childhood but it's not really is it it isn't at all. And if you think about the presentations that you're asked to do in university, it's always to demonstrate how much you know. That's ultimately what you're being um, judged on or marked on. And so in my experience anyway at university, um, now I was in a journalism program, so certainly my journalism courses weren't like this. But 
in my other courses, I did a double major in law and law was all about how much do you know? And so any of the presentations that I was doing was all about cramming that deck, you know, as full of information as possible uh, so that I could demonstrate to my professor how much I know. Well, when you, when you leave school and you go out in the business world, that, that has nothing to do with it. Um, your audience typically doesn't want to know everything you know. <laughs> they, don't, they don't have the time or the attention span for that. What they want to hear is how you interpret what you know to, into something meaningful for their world. How are you going to solve a problem with them, uh, for them with what you know? And so, you know, how do you go through four years of school building presentations that you're cramming full of information to demonstrate what you know, and then moving from that into the business world where we just want to know how you are going to solve problems for us? Mm -hmm. that's, that's the shift that I think a lot of technical presenters, but really a lot of presenters in business have struggled to, have struggled to make. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, is narrowing um, what they're delivering. Mm. And I'm sure there are lots of examples um, I could ask about. I would love to ask about. Um, we could talk about this for 24 hours. <laughs> Let's move on to your book and the story compass. Um, and in fact, in a recent email, you I believe you said that you've rewritten it a couple of times, at least what twice. Well, I've, yeah, I did a it number of- It just came out last year, didn't it? It was published in 2020. It was published in December of 2020. So I haven't actually sat down and rewritten it, but I have in my head. So I think, you know, with any creator, um, once you create the piece, you have to, I, I heard a, a quote once by a screenwriter that said like, he runs to the California border and just throws the script across the border and then runs home to New York. And it's kind of that way. Once you're finished creating something, you probably just need to, okay, it's done. It's over. Because if you, if you keep looking at it, which I've been doing with the book, you just, you edit it in, in your brain. And that's what I've been doing is thinking, oh, I would have done this differently, or I would have done that differently. Hmm. And, and maybe that's a lesson for life. You know, it's never, it's never perfect even though the name of my company is Perfect Pitch, I define perfect as human and, and that demands imperfection. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do teach that in my courses that the, the best thing that we can do as presenters or as communicators is abandon this idea that we have to be perfect. Um, what we really want to engage with is a human being and that's imperfection. And so the book is the same way. It's mm. not, I don't think it's absolutely perfect, but I've had such good feedback about it that I know it's resonating with people. So, mm. and in fact, I've had my readers tell me that my voice is very human um, in the book. And that's, that to me is, is the greatest compliment. It is very human. Um, you know, you, in the book, obviously I didn't speak to you before I started reading it, but uh, it's very approachable. It's easy to read. Complex information is uh, distilled easily. It's uh, it's it's really a good read. I'd, I'd highly recommend it to our listeners, and we'll have the link in the show notes. Thank you, Sheila. Oh, you're welcome. So the feedback and the thoughts that you're having, I guess they could be your next book, couldn't they? They could, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I have thought about that. <laughs> good. Yeah. Now, let, let's talk more about this book. The story mm -hmm. compass, and you know, um, I have to admit, I've I've never thought about the different kinds of stories um, in the way that you've presented them, which is so clear. And I'll let you talk about that. But first of all, tell us about where the idea for the book came from, and and what what made you decide last year to actually start writing it. Well, yeah, I think the expression is necessity is the mother of all invention. And we had agreed to run our storytelling course for a leadership program. Now, I had previously taught storytelling uh, from, the, um, from the perspective of presentations. I had taught it to sales teams. 
I hadn't really taught it in a leadership program and I knew it needed to be different than what we were teaching in our other courses. And so I started to look at different books out there on leadership and narrative. And I, I, I really appreciated the authors that I, who I was reading. Um, I did come up a little short at times with them because I felt that there wasn't enough explanation of what stories you would actually tell. And, and this was a very common question that I was getting in any of my other courses anyway. People would say, okay, the story uh, concept is great and the structure is great, but I don't really have any stories to tell. And that's just not possible. It's just not possible. Um, but I never really had a good answer for these people. And then when I was building this leadership course, I wasn't coming up with the answers in the books that I was reading. Sometimes the information was a bit too complicated. Sometimes it revealed um, not a very good handle on what storytelling actually is. And so I, at that time, I picked up Joseph Campbell's a hero with a, uh, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading it, I was also reading um, a book of interviews with Campbell called The Hero's Journey. And it, it, it just... I mean, I, I was late in the game discovering this. I know it's a lot of people knew about it before I did, but wow, it just really resonated with me, this idea that we have a universal story, not only that we are all telling, but that we are all living. And I thought, okay, well, if we're all living it, then there has to be a way to use Campbell's journey as a foundation for the types of stories that we need to tell. And I spent um, I spent uh, about a month with a little cutout papers on my floor, post-it notes, just organizing my thoughts around this. And that's how I came up with the four story types that really any story you're going to tell at work is going to fall into one of these four categories. And it's not like it has to be a hard and fast rule, but I think it does help to answer that question that I kept getting from my participants in my courses which is well you know what stories do I tell like I don't I don't really have any what what do I tell people and when do I tell them the compass is the answer to that question that's great insight um I bet there are lots of people who haven't read the hero's journey so it's good to reference it again and and before we move on can you give us a definition of of what is a story or what is storytelling Well, I think, yeah, is there a single definition that's going to capture it? But I think a lot of people, when I talk about storytelling, they think it's a once upon a time, you know, um, little anecdote or something like that. And certainly that is a story. That is a type of story. I think story is actually a way of organizing our information, it's a structure that does all of the things that we talked about right at the beginning of the interviews as true storytelling is structuring information in a way that captivates, uh, allows us to remember and inspires and motivates us to take action. Um, That's what I think storytelling is. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that once upon a time event. Mm. That that's fascinating, and it kind of made me think when you were giving that definition. I'm wondering in this age that we're living in, this age of distraction, as some some people have called it, have we moved away from storytelling too much? Because you know, when I some of the interviews that I really love on CBC, they're often with Indigenous people, and they mm. so easily fall into the the story of when they were young, of their father their grandfather, what, what, you know, what they did or what they could do. And we are so focused on presenting facts to, you know, convince and perhaps even make ourselves look credible and smart that, that we forget about the importance of storytelling. Have we moved away from it too much? And is that why we can't find our stories? Yeah, I think maybe that's part of it. I think in business, certainly we moved well away from it. Um, And certainly in technical industries, uh, storytelling for a long time, for far too long, had no place. 
I think now people are recognizing that we have to get back to storytelling and it's almost become a bit of a buzzword. And I say that because I think there is a a gap in our knowledge now of what a story actually is. So it's fine to say as a business, okay, we have to tell a story. We have to make an emotional connection. We're going to communicate in a way that is relatable. We're going to um, communicate in a way that creates mental pictures. Wonderful. But how do you do that? And that's the answer that I think is often missing with a lot of um, services and um, and consulting programs and, and efforts by marketing teams is that they don't actually know how to do it. And that's not a criticism. It's just, I think it's a reality. It's like, I can sit at a piano and say, okay, I'm going to play a piece for Sheila that is beautiful and is going to take her on a journey and it's going to be pitch perfect uh, to play on my company name. And it's going (laughs) to do all these things. But if I don't know how to play the piano, I can't actually do any of that. And so I think as business people, we need to learn the art of storytelling again, because it has been, like you said, far too long. We've gotten so far away from communicating that in that way at work that I I think there is um, yeah, there's a real lack of storytelling in business. Mm. And there's also um, my a favorite show that I listen to religiously every week is uh, Sunday Magazine with uh, Pia Chattopadhyay on CBC. Mm. And she interviewed um, she interviews loads of interesting people. And and last Sunday there was um, an author. It was Anna Sale who has her own podcast, and uh, I think the podcast is called death sex and money and she's just written uh and it's really i mean it sounds the title might throw you but it's really about um having conversations about really hard things and uh, you'll get where i'm going with this in a minute but it, it was basically just to say that another thing that i think might put people off is that we don't like to talk about hard things and she's written this book called let's talk about hard things and i think you know if you cut that out um, then it's hard to tell a really emotional, and when I say emotional, I mean impactful story mm-hmm. because um, everyone has difficulties, but if we just want to focus on what's bright and colorful and sunny and happy and positive, you know, how how will we get to, you know, the, the end piece of the story, the success or the lesson or the learning? So um, after I listened to that interview, um, with Anna Sale, it made me think, yeah, you know, we have to kind of touch on some of the challenging things as well and the and the darker moments. Um, you can't just tell a story and it's like, oh, we started our business, everything's been great. You don't have the, the narrative arc, do you, if it's like that? You you don't. And um, just so, uh, just going back to her title, I think De- Death, Sex and Money is a great title for a podcast. I wish I had thought of it. Um, <laughs> But, um, but it's, you're, you're, you're very right. Like it, you need the conflict, the, um, the conflict is the electrical current through any story. And I think as human beings, we are also avoiding, or we somehow believe that conflict shouldn't be part of our shared story. So, you know, even going beyond individual stories, I think that we're in a period right now where we don't want to have a conversation with somebody who thinks very differently than we do because that makes us uncomfortable or we feel offended or we feel um, unsafe. And I think there, there's a danger there that the only way that we have advanced as human beings is through hardship and challenge and conflict and friction and this clash of ideas. And working through that has allowed us to progress to this amazing, quite amazing world that we live in right now. I mean, the fact that 
I'm sitting in Burlington and you're sitting in Toronto and we've got microphones and we're doing all of this on our computer. I mean, it's amazing. Um, The only way that we've gotten here is, is, is through the messy, uncomfortable, you know, difficult conversations that, that we've had as human beings. I worry right now that as individuals, we're, we're only seeking the stories that make us feel comfortable. Mm. And I don't think, I don't think that's good news uh, for us and progress. I think we got to get back somehow to being willing to hear stories that make us squirm a little, mm-hmm. that agitate our thinking, that fire up our emotion. And yeah, I so I don't know if I'm really answering the question, but I agree. I think difficult topics are important um, in individual stories and also shared stories between people. Yeah, I mean, what what you said is so true because how will we progress if we don't have these difficult conversations and the ones that do make us uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now let, let's move on into you've developed this framework, this model, which is, is quite visionary really. And I can really understand why people are, are gravitating towards your book and wanting to read it and, and not just read it, but use it, use it as a reference. Tell us um, more Tell us, tell listeners about the model that you've developed um, and what it is and how, how we can use it as storytellers. So I have identified four story types that every business can share. Um, vision stories, knowledge stories, value stories, and journey stories. And they layer on to this journey that we're all on moving from a known world where everything is comfortable and we know how our day goes and we know what products we sell and we know what services we offer and we know who our customers are in between that and this unknown world where suddenly we're plunged into trials and tribulations and challenges and and maybe an ordeal that eventually brings us to the treasure you know you said earlier you can't get to the um, the good place until you go through the heart and that's that unknown world but then we come back out of there um to a point where we're transformed we know something new maybe we have a new offering as a business that we can then share with the world and campbell would call that returning the elixir that brings this balance and harmony um to the world so these four story types are are it, layered onto this journey so that as we're leaving the unknown or we're leaving the known world and heading into the unknown, we have this vision story that is going to inspire people to want to take that journey with us because we're able to paint a picture of what that unknowable future could look like. Um, that the, a picture of what we hope that unknowable future will look like. And if we can do that, people are willing to go into this really rough unknown world with us but when we're there, we need to be honest about the challenges we're facing. And those are the knowledge stories. So um, the only way, as we just talked about, that we can progress is if we're having these difficult conversations about what went wrong. How did we screw up? What are we going to do differently next time? And then when we get when we get through some of those trials and we start to experience success, uh, we need to be really clear about what that success is. So there are moments in our business whether it's the way an employee um, behaved or an action we took with a customer that we want to celebrate. Well, those are the stories that will immediately transmit what we value and what we believe to be our treasure. Um, And, you know, talking about value stories, I can go on to any number of corporate websites and there might be a page that says our values. And, you know, the words sound like they were pulled out of a bingo ball cage of corporate jargon sometimes, you know, we value innovation, we value a team-centered approach, we value integrity, and that's fine, everybody's saying it, but do I believe you? Um, Maybe, maybe not. Uh, But if you tell me a story that illustrates integrity, 
I, there's nothing not to believe. Um, I, I'm just going to know that about you. And, um, and then yeah, when we're you, you touch him, you, you touch on that. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, but you yeah. do touch on yeah. that, which, which that really struck me. There's kind of a disconnection, like, you know, the mission values and something else that comes after it. And it's very disconnected. So yeah. in your, your book, you touch on the connection to storytelling and an organization's values and yeah. growth. So it really needs to be thought out quite thoroughly and carefully, doesn't it? It does. I worked with an, a small engineering firm based in Calgary um, a number of years ago. There were three principal um, principals in that company, and they wanted to redesign their website. They wanted um, their website completely rewritten to capture the culture of that organization. And so the the three owners and I went into a boardroom and I said to them, okay, let's, let's talk about your values. First of all, cause you have this page called values and you have this list of words on it. Let's, we're going to scrap that. I want you guys just to tell me stories. That's what we're going to do for an hour. You're just going to tell me stories of these moments in your business where you felt so proud of the people who work for you or you felt so proud of having that business because of the work you did for a client. And that's all they did. The stories just came and I was capturing them. And then when we looked at the stories, I said, okay, what does that story communicate? If you were going to describe your business as a person, what, what kind of character does this demonstrate? And Sheila, it was so, it was so much easier at that point to describe what this firm's values were because it came from the actual stories of their accomplishments and what they defined as treasure. And so that to me was, is the way to do it. Um, I hope I haven't just given away my million dollar consulting idea, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think well, there's, people, um, you know, people might try and emulate the approach, but they won't. Yeah do it with the thoughtfulness that you do and they don't know what happens afterwards. So I think you're safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. And I think it's just for, for that, for that group of three, this whole process, and this happens in every storytelling workshop I run. People tell me afterwards, okay, yes, we learned about story and we got some great stories and, and the learning part was fantastic. But what surprises them about the workshops is it also creates this deep connection between the people who are in the workshop. And this is the other power of story is that it creates this almost instantaneous moment of empathy and connection where we realize because of this universal story that we are all telling, we're all living, we realize we're not individuals alone in this world experiencing um, having these completely unique experiences, we're not, we're all in this together. We're, mm. we're all doing this together. And Joseph Campbell calls it costume, you know, the cultural details or the specific details around an event. But he said, if you strip away the costume, it's essentially the same experience. So we can I can feel empathy with someone when they tell me their story. And that's what happens in these workshops is that when we're finished the day of storytelling, they always say to me, yeah, we got some skills, but holy cow, do we feel like a stronger team right now? And we have this clarity of why we're showing up to work every day and mm -hmm. why we want to be a part of this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's really very powerful, um, what you've just shared. You know, the, the empathy connection, it makes it much easier to move forward towards a shared goal, easier to communicate because you have that shared empathy. All the pieces fall together, don't they? They really do. And it can light fire under people. You know, you talk about how do you motivate people and how do you inspire them? Well, the stories that your business has to tell and the, and the stories that maybe they have never heard before uh, can have that effect. And it can have that effect in 90 seconds to two minutes. You know, when I talk about 
working on stories like I did with the three principals at this engineering firm. Mm-hmm. We were building stories that could be told in about 90 seconds to two minutes. Mm. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, in that amount of time that you can create a deep connection with somebody. Yeah, because I mean, you normally mm-hmm. you think, oh, story, it's, you know, it's going to be quite long. But um, mm-hmm. if you get the the elements right and the sequence right, you can do something quite quickly and it can still have the same amount of impact. Absolutely. I use story a lot in my social media posts. And I'll never forget, I wrote one a number of years ago. My My son and I were heading up to get my car. It was being serviced and I called an Uber. And the Uber driver called me before he came to my to pick us up. And he said, uh, I hope you don't mind, but I was just down in Fish Creek Park. This is in Calgary um, on a walk with my girlfriend. And I don't have time to drop her off before I come and get you. Are you okay if she's in the car? And I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. So we we get picked up and it's this young couple who've just moved to Canada from Taiwan. And they were lovely. I mean, we just shared stories in in the Uber the whole way up uh, to the northeast of of the city. And we were running a little bit early for me to get my car. So the four of us decided we were going to go to Menchie's for frozen yogurt. Um, We shared a frozen yogurt. You know, we had frozen yogurt together, took took selfie pictures inside the Menchie's and then continued on and went and then they dropped me off to get my car. Well, I posted about that on LinkedIn using story structure. And, and I mean, I don't know, I might have written eight sentences mm-hmm. and I had a picture of us in Menchie's. That is by far my most popular LinkedIn post ever. I think I had more than 10,000 views. I had, I don't even know how many reactions to it. And it was shared all over the place. And wow. I just say, yeah, like, you know, you can use this to structure. Check that out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to you, you, find that post and link to it in the yeah. show notes. <laughs> yeah, it's a great story. And I just made the comment that, you know, we talk about technology sometimes as uh, being an isolating force in our world. And yet, you know, technology is what made Uber possible. And that experience would have never in a million years happened with a cab driver ever. Yeah, ever. No. Never. Um, and so that did was you get to see that couple again? I'm curious. I have to ask the no, next question. No, okay. no, I didn't. And oh my gosh. And Sheila, I'm a so very special encounter. It was a very special encounter, but I'm so embarrassed because I didn't buy their yogurts for them. I should have offered to pay for their yogurt. It was kicking uh-huh. myself after. And I said to my son, Julian, why didn't I just pay for all the yogurt? Anyway, so if the couple from Taiwan are out there listening to this podcast, I owe you a frozen yogurt. <laughs> yeah, they're ever passing through Burlington for sure. That is a lovely yeah. story. And also the fact that you had that experience, you know, it was truly authentic, not something that was kind of created for social media. And then mm-hmm. you were able to share it and you had that reaction sort of resonated with people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very powerful. So if you think about businesses and what they post on their social media uh, sites, you know, what I see anyway, predominantly, it's very information driven. Um, I think if you can tell a story, people will, will click see more so they can read it. Um, you don't have to worry so much about the length of the post, just worry about whether or not it's captivating and capturing some sort of universal moment that, again, we can feel this empathy and realize, ah, we're all sharing that. Mm. Mm -hmm. And now let's, you, you have, you mentioned, um, knowledge stories and on your compass, you have, um, well, I'll let you say what they are. Yeah. So the vision stories come at the beginning when we're inviting people to take the adventure for us and leave that known world and go into the unknown. The knowledge stories happen when we hit the road of trials and inevitably we screw up and make all sorts of mistakes or maybe the environment challenges us in some way. I think, you know, you were mentioning earlier about the age of destruction. I think as on whole, we're probably on that road of trials right now and maybe headed for Maybe the pandemic is the ordeal, or maybe we'll, you know, there's more more to come. But we come out of that um, into a moment where we we really do believe we have seized our treasure after all of these 
trials and battles and overcoming challenges. And those are our value stories. And then at the end of the journey, although, as I say in the book, the journey never really ends, we probably have a bit of a journey story to tell about why we are where we are and what we have to share with the world as a result of that. Hmm. So four and stories are vision, knowledge, value, and journey. Right. And, and when you work with clients, obviously, you will help them select the kind of correct approach or the right approach for the moment and develop the mm-hmm. story around that, that model. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we, we kind of, be, before we, we began our interview, we, we exchanged a few emails this morning and I, I talked to you about um, a format that I'd been experimenting with with a client and I'd been taking a, a storytelling approach with sh- some show notes and then I thought, hmm, I don't know if this is working. Let's experiment with a different kind of approach. And it was kind of like that more journalistic salient points approach to show notes. And you were very insightful and pointed out, well, what about the blending of the two? Tell us a little bit more about that, because I think often people in marketing and PR, they are so busy and they finish the day and it's, you know, six, seven, eight o'clock, they've got more to do and they're just running out of creative energy. So what other approaches can we take when we've got a lot of facts or information to communicate? We think it's like, Oh, bullet point story. Where am I going with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think your question to me over the email really resonated with me because I am a creative writer at heart. I've been writing stories since I was a child. I also went through a journalism program where I was taught that inverted pyramid style, you know, and, and interestingly enough, I mean, that comes from a very practical problem that needed to be solved, which was in the day of, you know, largely print journalism, where you were producing these papers, um, the, the stories would be written, but then it would go to layout and layout at that time was literally cutting and pasting the articles so that they would fit on the page. Well, you didn't want to have any important information right down at the bottom of your article, you never wanted to save the punchline for the end. Because the layout editor might literally cut that part out just to make it fit. Mm -hmm. So that's where inverted pyramid comes from is all the important information goes at the top. So the chances of that getting cut are pretty much nil. And then it descends in uh, an order of uh, diminishing importance from that point. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I guess I, during my journalism career, uh, figured out a way to blend the two. Um, how do you tell this very fact-driven story, but also get in your your creative pieces, your emotional connections? And so I think you can do that as well in business where you can be brief, you can get to the point, but you can also use story structure. And so one of the basic elements of story is that nothing is solved before we understand the challenge. You know, we don't, we don't defeat the uh, we don't defeat Darth Vader until we understand that Darth Vader is a problem, because um, otherwise we wouldn't care, or you know. Mm. And so, um, even if marketers, PR people, business people, anyone communicating at work, uh, even if they can just back it up and first illustrate, make us feel the pain of the problem before presenting the solution. That is storytelling, and you don't have to take a lot of time to do it, but just by ordering your information that way is is using story. And in a way, getting to the point, because problem plus solution equals meaning. That's really what, again, you know, we said right at the beginning of the podcast, we don't want to know what you know. We want to know how you're interpreting that to solve a problem that we have. And Mm. so, yeah. That's so, so true. That's, say, say that again for us. We don't want to know what you know. Yeah. We want to know how you interpret what you know to help us solve a problem. Yeah, that's really meaningful, powerful. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. And this question about, you know, revelation as well um, that can be another issue in particular for entrepreneurs who they know 
everyone is told you have to be authentic. You know, CEOs face this when they're pushed to get onto social media. Mm-hmm. How how intimate do we have to get? Do we have to talk about our, all our failures, the bad business decisions that we've made initially that we, you know, we really wish that just hadn't happened, but of course they did. Tell us uh, um, a little bit about, you know, what, what kind of thinking, what points we should think about there, what kind of considerations. Yeah, it's a question I've had from a number of my clients one in particular I'm thinking of who's the CEO of an organization and he was preparing to do a speech at a Christmas event. And in the coaching sessions with him, he told a very personal story. He couldn't get through it, honestly, without breaking down. And he said, do I have to tell this story? And I said, no, you don't. I said, you don't have to stand in front of your entire organization and break down into tears. That's not, you know, that's not what they need. Um, and so we worked on the presentation without the story and we still focused on moments of challenge, um, but we didn't go there to this one incident that he found very difficult. I went to the Christmas event and he got up to speak and I was shocked he told the story and he didn't break down. Um, and I asked him afterwards, I said, David, how did you, like, when did you decide to tell that story and how did you get through it without breaking down? And he said, I decided right before I stood up that I was going to do it. And, and he said, the reason is because the way this whole evening has gone he said, I realized that story would, would really be a gift to my audience, that they needed this story. And I think that's, there's the line, right? If you, there's no need to throw yourself down on your sword um, at any moment. But if, if you believe this story is really going to help your audience somehow to understand something better or um, remember something or just have that empathy moment, that shared understanding, then it probably makes sense um, to open yourself up a bit and be vulnerable. If you can get through it without breaking down, I I really don't think anybody needs to be um, up in front of an audience uh, crying. I just, you know, that's probably too much. But yeah, for everybody, it's going to be a different um, threshold. But I think the important thing is that it's helping your audience. It's not to help you. uh, It's to help them. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, an important, uh, an important consideration there. Um, Mm -hmm. Is the story helping? Is it giving value? And I suppose that uh, those two things along with, you know, how, are you okay? Do you feel okay? Safe, perhaps. Perhaps that's the right word. Do you mm-hmm. feel safe telling the story? Because sometimes people will just feel too, too vulnerable. And as you said, you don't want to be up um, at a podium crying. Uh, it would also make the audience, some members of the audience, uncomfortable too. Absolutely. And I think there's a, a processing time that we need with our own stories. So what I talk about in the book is that, particularly with knowledge stories, you can't just stay, you can't keep the story down in the muck of defeat or failure. That story has to lift at the end into the lesson that we can all take away from this. What are we all going to do differently next time? Mm. Well, sometimes that takes a while to land on. And if we have just come out of a very difficult time or a difficult situation, first of all, the emotions are still pretty raw and are maybe clouding our ability to reflect on that story in a meaningful way for our audience. Um, but also we, we don't know the lesson yet. You know, certainly I can speak from experience over, you know, the last year that I've had transforming my business and moving out to Ontario and, and grappling with a bit of a health issue. Like everything is still very recent. So I don't know if I know all of the lessons that I'm taking away from this yet. So mm-hmm. if we give ourselves time to really reflect on those difficult moments, I think 
also that time heals the wounds a little bit so that we're not going to burst into tears or not be able to get through that story because we have a little bit of distance um, and time. Mm. I think that's so true. It's a very important point you made that the humans are funny like that. And I think it's really the way the brain works. The brain takes time. We can have an experience. It could be traumatic or it could be, you know, one of elation. And then you look back and you have a perspective on it. Mm -hmm. So as you just said, you don't have all the lessons because I'm always a little bit suspicious when I meet people who, who might say, Oh, well, I know how I'll feel when this happens. And I think, you know, yeah. it's it's okay to think that or believe it, but um, I don't think that that's true. Yeah, you know, for the, I'm talking about the big things in life, you know, when someone passes away or yeah. something wonderful happens, you know, such as your, your book is being published, you can anticipate it. But, you know, the, the – uh, the actual feeling of having that book in your hand and, you know, all the hard work that went into it, it's kind of so different from anything that you could actually imagine. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Where can people find you online, Colleen? I, I, I'm a real LinkedIn fan. I know I should probably get onto some other platforms. I am on Instagram, Story Compass. Um, Colleen Stewart and Perfect Pitch Consulting Group are both on LinkedIn. And then I'm at perfectpitchpros.com if you want to check out the website. The Story Compass is available on Amazon, both .ca and .com. Right. Uh, if, you, if you want an autograph version, you can contact me directly and I'll send it to you. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but that's how you can connect with me. And uh, check out the, you know, I would encourage people to check out the website because I'm going to be running an open registration story compass workshop uh, in the next eight weeks. I uh, haven't picked the date exactly. I, I need to get up that all sorted out, but that would be an opportunity for people to get into a session with me and discover a little bit about how I work and what it feels like to actually explore their stories uh, with me. Oh, that would be great. I'm sure lots mm -hmm. of people would like to do that, and certainly I would. Yeah. So, and we'll have all these links in the show notes. And just before we finish up, um, are there any questions that you wish that I'd asked you that I haven't? No, Sheila, this has been an amazing interview. I feel like you and I have been on a journey. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do too. So yeah, it's been very interesting and and you know, I'm I'm glad you emailed me that question because it really got me thinking and uh yeah, no, I I don't think there are any I'm sure I, maybe listeners have other questions they can contact me, but uh no, yeah. this has been great. Really good conversation. Great. And as I mentioned, listeners will have all the links to Colleen her company and social media and the book on Amazon in the show notes. So you can go there for more information as well. Thanks again, Colleen, for your time. I know you're busy, so it's been really, really generous of you and wonderful speaking with you. Oh, it was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Sheila. Thank you. 